Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The number one podcast. Hello and welcome to the number one podcast, the football podcast, where we look after the number ones. I am Roy Griffith. This is David Priest. Hello, Matt. Uh, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, I only ever hear this voice that you use on the podcast. I don't hear it any other time when I speak to you. It's just that one. It's your special... You know what? I thought that. But that speaking me... Oh, hello, welcome. That, that, I've also got like a, got a weird like kind of uh, podcasty voice, intro voice. I think you do like the, um, you know, the, the trailers for, for films. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be that guy. He was fat. He was from Grimsby. He became a goalkeeper. Fat Grimsby... Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we have a guest. Uh, he is the man behind the stats. You tell your pals down the pub. He's head of UK content at Opta. Is that still your job title? One of them, yeah. There's a few. Okay. Just man from Opta. It's man from Opta. It's Duncan Alexander. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, First and foremost, you need to follow Duncan on on Twitter. Uh, He's got a weird handle, Oily Sailor. Mm. what's, What's behind that? It was a random name I chose for a Wiccan Wanderers message board in the late 90s. And... It became a, a world-renowned brand, so I can't ditch it now. Yeah. Uh, so you've got many jobs at Opta. Um, Opta, for those that don't know, do you want to skip I'm, I'm sure most people that listen to us know what Opta is and probably follow yeah, they've Opta Yeah, probably heard the name. But, yeah. I mean, we essentially analyse sport, mainly football, yeah. obviously, because football's the best sport. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we work with clubs, we work with the media, we work with anyone that wants data, really. And obviously the things with, with data is you can kind of slice it up however you want so different people want different things and so you work with Premier League clubs Mm -hmm. Football League clubs yeah we work probably 150 clubs around the world really yeah that's amazing because I mean now stats have become such an integral part of football it's the kind of thing that you want to you know we we start our podcast and the main podcast with a little stat at, at the beginning it kind of it's just it's become part of the game. Yeah, people used to be scared of stats, though, especially managers. I think mm. because it used to uh, 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 there was a fear of them because it showed the truth. Mm. There was no way of uh, you know any any kind of waffling uh, after in post match interviews. You know you, you can't hide black and white stats like you know. I don't know managers say uh, stats are like miniskirts. The uh, the 
I think uh, they, they reveal a lot, but they don't show you exactly what you want to see. <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was something like that. Ebb Scovedal. I'm sure it was that. It's something like that. And, um, <laughs> so 80s. Yeah, but it, it, it's... Uh, it, it was it was because there was a, there was a feeling because it showed showed up the the, the exactly how you played in, really? in, rather than just the the, the, the end yeah. result. I think they can be used badly, and what we strive to do through our social media and other avenues is try and use them in a good way, which mm. hopefully show, shows people the, the right way to use them. Mm. Because you can, you know, you can take something out of context and and you know invert commas prove something that isn't necessarily true. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there was once somebody was talking about the other week about uh, Kevin De Bruyne has given the ball away the most times in the Premier League. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, Alexis Sanchez gets that a lot. Like, he, yeah. you know, loses possession a lot. But yeah. he plays in a position where you're going to lose yeah. possession a yeah. lot. So <laughs> what does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So. Um, so I follow up to Joe, if you don't already. And that was your brainchild, is that right? Yeah, me and, uh, and a couple of other guys. Yeah. Um, saw Twitter emerge in the late 2000s and, and we were already kind of doing, you know, short bits of fact-based content and uh, I said I said I said you know this is a good idea you know we could put our stuff there and a few commercial people were like no no that's that's a bad idea because you're giving stuff away for free but it was actually what it did was kind of get the message out there and, and also you can as people know who are on Twitter people aren't slow in telling you when they don't like something so it's quite, <laughs> oh, a, good, it's quite a good way of finessing your content um, <laughs> you've got quite a, a fair few followers already you're on 28.4 thousand and we'd like to say to our followers all 1800 of them go and follow you because it's a, it's one of our favourite Twitter accounts that my one yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely brilliant um, and you've also um, because of that not because of that, but you've, you've got a, you've got a book out um, now we are obviously the podcast that talks about everything that goes on inside the box and your book is called Outside the Box it is could you give us a brief description as to what your book is about and if anyone's thinking about a book for the summer yeah it's waterproof it's <laughs> like Australian money yeah it's waterproof it's not waterproof it's unless not. you got us on a Kindle maybe I don't know but you know read it by the pool or other water based fun um, it came out last autumn but so you kind of look back at the 25 years of the Premier League yeah um, that's the sort of main structure so I go through each se- uh, each season um, but there's other chapters as well there's the history of the World Cup and I kind of ponder why World Cups aren't as exciting as they used to be which may be a a fact from being English and of a certain age as well because obviously everyone thinks fondly of the first World Cups they can remember compared to maybe you know being rubbish in Brazil Um, but and there's other things as well there's you know there's there's lots in there Um, I just picked out a few of your there's so many good tweets that you've done um, and we tried to work on a few things together. We have, yeah. we, we, we've been pals uh, for a little while. Uh, I did a, a video for EA Sports a few years back where I went and met um, the likes of uh, Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, um, Carlos uh, Resach, Lionel Messi, and Duncan Alexander. Do you know what I mean? It was an absolute smorgasbord of <laughs> the sport. big five. Isn't the it? big, the big five. <laughs> yeah, uh, the class of 2015. Um, but I've just picked out a few of your tweets that are goalkeeping related. Um, you said Jordan Pickford, the first goalkeeper to record a shot in the Premier League this season. He tweeted that in February of this year, and then he followed that up with, "One percent of Everton's shots under Allardyce have come from their goalkeeper. He's level with Morgan Schneiderlin." <laughs> um, just small things like that that make me very, very, uh, very happy. There's another one as well, but I've, uh, I, can't, I can't remember where it was. Uh, oh, here we go. You said that West Bromwich Albion versus Palace, a match where one goalkeeper is a former chef. Well, the other is a former restaurant owner. Is that true? It is, but um, 
Ben Foster is a big yeah. fan of cooking and has apparently got a barbecue shed in his garden, really? which is good. And and um, Julian Speroni, sadly now it's closed down. I went past the other day and it's uh, it's shut up. But Speroni's on the uh, by the roundabout in Purley. Um, so I asked you to bring along um, some stats. We, we we chatted on the po- uh, previous podcast that with regards to goalkeeping. The Golden Glove is seen as it's basically the, the the one award every year that you know is talked about. It's the clean sheet award. Whereas now that I wouldn't say it's outdated, but because of the likes of Opta, there's so much more data that you can kind of uh, take from from goalkeeping performances. Mm. Um, do, do you look at clean sheets anymore? Is that is that? I'm obviously you know, but but actual goalkeeping clean sheets is that a thing for you or is it not I mean we do but it, I guess it's more of a uh, it's more of a representation of the team as a whole so obviously like someone at a black uh, Atletico has got a lot of clean sheets but that really is a you know a byproduct of that whole team being yeah. extremely good defensively I mean I think they've, they've kept 32 clean sheets this season um, and if you're very good defensively obviously the keeper's going to come out pretty well but you can get uh, players who aren't necessarily Keeping clean sheets, who are actually playing quite well, the kind of you know the put upon goalkeeper, mm. someone like Fabianski this season at Swansea, who, you know, his team are pretty much going down now, but he's he's probably been one of their few good performers. There's probably, I mean, you probably say the same for strikes as well. You know, it, it, a striker is, is only as good as supply, really. Yeah, yeah, so it, it's a, it goes same goes for strikes as well. So what have you what have you brought for us in the way of stats that we can? Well so I mean, people might be aware. Um, last year we um, we pushed out something called expected goals to the to the wider world. I mean, it's again it, it dates back. We've been working with clubs using that for a few years now, um, and and you know we pushed it out to the media last year. Essentially, we've got you know thousands and thousands of shots in our database um, where they start, where they finish and for goalkeepers where they actually are in the goal as well. Right. So you can basically look at an average so you know there might be a thousand shots from one place on the pitch in the penalty box say and you know 30% of those ending goals so the kind of, the, it's almost like golf, it's like a par for that position right, and, okay. that, and that kind of game state so it might be if it's from a corner you know there'll be more people in the box and stuff like that so you know th- if there's a par of 30% you might see a player um, like Messi or someone who's particularly above that or you might see a player who's like Ben Teke for Palace this season who basically missed a lot of really good chances right. so you could give the average player Ben Teke's chances in the Premier League this season and he'd have probably scored you know seven, eight, nine goals whereas Ben Teke obviously only got a couple um, and what you can do for goalkeepers and, and in some senses this has worked probably better looking at it from the goalkeeper's point of view than it has from the strikers in some in some respects um, you can actually look at you know where what the average keeper would have saved looking at where the shots are um, compared to actual real life goalkeepers um, and what emerges from the Premier League this season is that David De Gea and Nick Pope are by far the two most effective goalkeepers uh, in the Premier League so um, if we look at like goals prevented based on this kind of yep. algorithm um, De Gea uh, he's conceded 26, but looking at the shots um, he's faced, shots on target he's faced, you'd have expected him to let him 40. So that's, you know, pretty 14. much 14 additional goals he's prevented. So if you think where United would be if they'd have, you know, it's funny that United have the air of a team who've struggled a little bit, mm. yet they're still second, they're still yeah. in the cup final. Um, but if, you know, they had an average keeper that they probably would have been, as they have the last few years, struggling to make the top four. Um, and Pope, similarly, he saved probably an additional 10, um, you know. 
Really? I mean, you'd probably be more accurate with that. Uh, so, how many points they saved? If you go back and look at those, like say those situations where the, those fourteen saves were made, um, uh, can you pinpoint them to the to the exact saves, or you, is it? Yeah, you can. I mean, obviously, generally, what will happen is a, a keeper will, will pick up, you know, a fraction per game. Mm. Um, the thing with De Gea this season, uh, people can probably remember, he had that particularly ridiculous performance against Arsenal yeah. at the Emirates in December, where I think. He probably four, three or four of those goals come from that mat, that single match. I mean, th- that double save he makes, so that would probably amount to more than one goal. Yeah. So yeah. So if if most chances like I don't know point seven or something like that, then it, it yeah. works out as okay. And yeah. it's interesting actually. He's been around thirteen, fourteen for the last few months of the season. So it's almost like his his peak form was kind of the autumn, winter, and he's been you know. He, whether that's down to United's defence being a bit better, him being a bit more protected, or, or him just kind of, you know, regressing to to more of an average. What about Nick Pope? What, what, how close was he? So he's on ten, which is yeah. you know the next highest after that is Fabianski with six. So uh, yeah, Pope's had a brilliant season, and you know based on these numbers, probably should be England's keeper for the World Cup. So well, we, we, we've we've been talking about that a lot, you know, just because it is obviously World Cup year. We always have this little, not always, I often forget to do it. We're on the plane, and you know if you, <laughs> we've just just been looking at clean sheets, but also saves made, and this is just just like I'm sure you've got more in depth analysis, but. If you if you look at you know Jack Butland has made the most saves of any goalkeeper this season in in the Premier League, um, and then Nick Pope is uh, sixth with 111. Um, but you kind of expect Pope's done more, I think. You know what I mean, and, and with with stats like this, yeah, I mean Pope's obviously playing for a team who've massively surpassed expectation, yeah. whereas Butland is is now relegated. Mm. Um, Butland's made a couple of high profile errors as well, um, so I mean it's it's pretty unlikely that Pope he might make the squad. It's very unlikely he's going to make the the team. You know. Do you know, just just going to go back to the uh, you know the the point made about the the the. Uh, the the goals that they save it's probably more of a, um, more accurate if you know what they call it Brian Clough he uh, he would always say that Peter Shilton he but he's buying a keeper who's worth ten points it's probably more accurate to say that if you're buying a top keeper at that level at the very top that you're buying somebody who's saving you ten goals mm. in that case isn't it yeah so it's probably and then from then you you know you can work out you know how many points have saved but it's probably more accurate to say that than goals yeah I mean, it's, it's amazing actually points, if you look sorry. at the spread I mean most most keepers in the Premier League are roughly around plus or minus one goal from mm. what you'd expect so oh, most are doing about what you'd expect from the the chances they faced. Um, you, the outliers are, you know, De Gea and Pope at one end, and then at the bottom, um, Ben Foster is bottom. With he's, oh, really? he's actually letting seven more goals than you'd expect, and Casper Schmeichel with six more. But is that, and that's an individual stat, as in that's just based on the shots they faced right. and, and where historically, you know, goals have come from based on that that type of chance. So is, is there anything goes into it uh, from a technical aspect where you know you look at the goals and rather than just from the from where it's taken in the keeper's position, you know whether it's um, you know whether if it's something the keeper should have done uh, should have you know if you look at it and just say it's, they should have saved. I'm talking rubbish here. I'm, I'm no, but I, 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 know, no, I know what you mean. because it's quite. Well, I, th- I think basically it's, it's quite a clinical approach. Yeah, which, which is what data is. Yeah, I mean this is essentially. I mean I've. I've spoken to people who said, well, I don't need a model like this because um, I can judge it with my eyes, which is a perfectly valid point of view if you're like an ex-pro or something. But the point is that 
unless you want to sit through thousands and thousands mm. of games, the point of a model like this is that it can, it can allow you to, you know, narrow down a search if you're recruiting players or something. Because yeah, do England use use this? Do they, do they look at these stats? Do the the England national team is is will what I'm trying to say is will Gareth Southgate be looking at that? I think. Every uh, football team, be it a club team or international team, will now have you know analysts who will you know they might ne- necessarily be using this particular model, but they will have their own kind of version of it. Um, um, who, as you, as Duncan Alexander, football fan and England fan, yeah, who are you taking to the World Cup uh, in goal? Uh, well, I think I would take Pickford. Obviously, I yeah. think he's probably. But the why? Why obviously? And he, he, is that with a football or with, I just think with, the way with, with your Opta badge on as well? The way that England play, essentially. Um, you know, we saw the From game the against Holland. He's definitely the most comfortable yeah. goalkeeper, English goalkeeper, doing that. I mean, he's not at the levels of someone like Edison. Um, I said before we recorded this that you know, Edison's got a pass completion rate of eighty-five percent this season. Wow! Which is, is, that, is that the highest? Uh, it is of any regular keeper, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, most outfield players would be pleased with that. I mean, I had a look at back, we've got data going back a long way, I had a look at the, the treble winning team, United, in 98-99. Edison's past completion this season is higher than Beckham's was and Skulls' was that season. Shut up. Yeah. I, I think what makes it more uh, impressive as well, you know, I think if you look back at somebody like Lloris, who's played, who plays a lot of short balls, I think in the past he's maybe had a high percentage, but he play, plays a lot of short balls, where the variation in Edison's yeah. passing means it's even more impressive because he does do it over long distances, not just easy short ones. Yeah. I mean, it's totally... I mean, the, historically, the average pass completion rate for a keeper, which, you know, until Guardiola came here, it wasn't ever deemed... You know, we collected pass data on goalkeepers for years and no one ever wanted it. It was just kind of it's like storing beans in case there's a nuclear war. Mm. It was just there in the, in the cupboard. But um, And then Guardiola sort of bought Bravo and everyone suddenly was like, we need you know the, the numbers. And suddenly it became a thing. Do you have, do you have um, pass completion rate for the other keepers, just to give us an idea? or Yeah. So, like De Gea, who, are you, who I would say De Gea sort of plays like a traditional good goal you know he he doesn't always try and play it out like mm. Edison would um, his pass completion rate is 58% which is what used to be kind of standard for a, yeah. for a goalkeeper um, you know at the other end Joe Hart 44% um, I think the bottom bottom is Alex McCarthy um, and interestingly bottom of any keeper that's made a, a lot of Games is, is Pope with thirty nine percent. So, really? but, but I mean that's a, that's a lot to do with the style of play that they, you the know they, they play. play more direct. Yeah. Same with West Ham as well. If they play Andy Carroll, or, yeah. And it, to a certain extent, even with there with United, because I mean United like past couple of seasons have relied on like Zlatan, Fellaini, and Lukaku as well. So yeah. They've Target got, them. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's it's probably not a great reflection on David de Gea. I don't think because I think he, he, well I know he is oh. capable of if he has to, if he's asked to do it. He could no, be able to no do more it. than any other kind of data point. Goalkeeper pass completion is absolutely a result of what the manager tells the mm. player to yeah, do. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, but what's interesting is that Pope and and De, uh, you know Pope and De Gea are up there in one respect, but Pope is very different. Um, after this, and I'm more than happy to pay for it. Could you get me the the um, pass completion and for a friend of mine, James McEwen, a plays in goal. Um, for the Slade months at Grimsby, if that's okay, because that was very much a just lump it up as far as you can, uh, just to see what happens. 
Is I that? wish I could. We don't actually analyse League One and League Two to oh, that you're level. Um, as a Wickham fan, I would similarly be interested in and would expect similar sort of numbers, to be honest. But um, we do do the Championship, and let's just say Cardiff have been agricultural. Agricultural. <laughs> <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> We talked about who's going to, to the World Cup. You've said uh, Pickford. Who, who else are you sticking on there? Uh, Pope. Sorry, sorry. Pope. You've said Pope as well. Yeah, Pope. And then, I mean, looking at... You'd probably go for... Oh, hang on. Where's my numbers gone? Um, I mean, up there, Tom Heaton. But you're not going to take Pope and Heaton, obviously. But, I mean... So is Heaton still... Heaton's done all right. I mean, obviously, he's split, he hasn't played that much this no. season. Um, but I think that... The big thing, very different to eight years ago when it was all about take Joe Hart and then play. You know, he should have played Joe Hart in 2010 instead of Green and, and James. Yeah. But but now it's the complete reverse in that he might go and he, doesn't, he hasn't really earned earned it at all. So um, I mean, there's the kind of spurious notion of experience, but you know, he's only ever played in two World Cups, and if you remember, he only played two matches in the last one. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and the bad experiences as well. That's a, that's a yeah, thing. Of course, that's, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, and, and I've said this before about, um, you know, what people who said that about taking for experiences, but the other two keepers, if if he does go, the other two keepers sit, sitting there looking at him and thinking, you know, all he's doing is reminding them of his bad performance in World Cups, you know, what's happened in the last Euros and World Cups as well, like, you know, so it's, yeah. it's just putting sort of yeah, bad experience in their brain as well. And also as well, like the as you say, from looking at the Holland team and can you know, Gareth Southgate has come out and said he wants to play very much in the same vein as Pep Guardiola from the back and, you know, less less agricultural. Um and I think the team selection that he chooses, you know, reflects that. You know, it's we we're not we we haven't really got the players like Lampard and Gerard anymore where it's got oh, you have got to use them for for experience. Mm. You know, apart from maybe Milner and I think it's you know Lalana and Henderson. You haven't really got the old guard that we that we used to have. So I think 
that selecting goalkeepers, you kind of go with that same theme as well. We're going, well, why can't I have Pope? I mean, he's had an incredible season. He's been thrown, you know, to talk about being thrown amongst it, where there are some goalkeepers when they're thrown in the Premier League, don't necessarily survive. There's, you know, a few goalkeepers that we've talked about um, off air where, you know, they've had to come in and haven't done a great job, whereas Pope has come in and he's he's thrived under the pressure. He's thrived under the pressure. You kind of think, well, maybe he should, he should uh, definitely be going and, mm. you know, Oh, well, all three of them have. I think that's yeah. the difference in their mentalities. The both of them have have reacted well under pressure. Yeah. And they, like I said, in the, in the case of like of Pickford and certainly Pope, they welcome it as well. Yeah. What else have you got for us in the way of stats? Uh, well, we've talked about good goalkeeping. I guess if we look at the the flip side of that and, and errors, I think probably the other main trend to come out in the Premier League this season has been the sort of decline of Hugo Lloris, whether that's temporary or, or permanent. Right. Um, he's made five. Er- we, we basically have a kind of semi-subjective thing called error leading to a goal or to an attempt, um, and that basically where we deem you know a, it can be a defender or anyone really, but someone's made a mistake that's directly led to a, a goal or a shot um, and Lloris has made five which I think is as many as he's made in the previous seasons combined really? um, and he's actually made if you combine shots as well he's made eight errors leading to shots and goals which is uh, which is more than any other goalkeeper sorry so he's made eight errors he's made eight errors five of which have, have led directly to goals oh really yeah which is which is obviously something that's going to be quite high profile you know when yeah. a goalkeeper makes that sort of mistake mm. it is high profile but it's something that that he hasn't done before, really. Um, I think. Oh, well, I think it's about last week. Did a piece on him uh, for the IP, and he's. I think it is just this season. I think, especially when you, you mean you know yourself about collecting data when it's just down to one season. You know, then you can pass it off as just a mm. you know a loss of form or. Um, yeah, rather than just a, a sign of decline. Yeah. Because he has been so good previously. Yeah, I mean, the only keeper to make more errors leading directly to a goal this season is Petr Cech, who I think is the other way, which I think is down to a, a sort of, you know, perfectly natural kind of age-related decline, probably. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And that's probably a big decision, I guess, for the for the Arsenal manager to come in, whether, you know, whether they keep Cech as, a, as the first choice, whether he becomes a sort of experienced number two or, or what, really. So. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I think... Um, you know, I love, absolutely love Petr Cech as a goalkeeper. I mean, he, historically, he's—I would say without a shadow of doubt—he's the most, um, he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League era by by a mile. If you, you think? Career, yeah, he's, he's kept over 200 clean sheets. Um, you know, his first season, uh, he kept what was it? So 24 clean sheets in his first season mm. at Chelsea. Wow! In he didn't even play every league, game. League, league, yeah. league. Wow! And so. he was a kid as well. He was only 22, 23 as well when he, he was, came yeah. in. I think. Yeah. yeah, he's basically lived his entire career in the Premier League and you know that first sort of five six seasons at Chelsea I mean you know even then when in the Champions League you know famously the last couple of years at Arsenal he went 15 penalties without saving one but obviously Mm. the Champions League final made crucial saves Um, you know he's obviously a legend at Chelsea I think you know without any doubt he has been the best goalkeeper I think that's fascinating and I think it is you know it's a decision for the new Arsenal manager whoever that may be you know, he's got two goalkeepers there that are on the older scale of, of, of things, aren't they? And it probably needs a bit of an overhaul. Yeah, I said before, Ospina will be looking for uh, more regular games next season, so I think he'll be leaving. So I think that you're right, there's probably going to be a second choice next year. I think Czech, they bring somebody else in like they've uh, like they're sporting about. Well, Ospina, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because, I mean, him and Czech both 
and I mean this in the nicest possible way, both look like like dads. Do you know what I mean? And they <laughs> they, they probably are, but you know, Ospina's is he looks a lot older than he is. He's twenty nine years old. Um, you know, but where do you go? I mean, he had uh, I think he had is it six years at Nice. We was there. Obviously, first team, and then uh, he's been here f- uh, in England. Oh no, he's, I mean, he's, he's got the World Cup as in, with Colombia as well. Like you know, so he's you know, there's no doubt about his his pedigree. The the funny thing with goalkeepers in in the Premier League now is that obviously it's a very different position in the sense that you can only have one in a team. Mm. So assuming your first choice goalkeeper doesn't get injured, you know, most clubs are going to want to have a. a pretty good replacement yeah. but they might not get to play and it's whether it's whether you can get one that's happy to basically maybe go th- through a season and just play in the League Cup or just play the odd game in Europe well and this is what we, we, no, we chat about and it, it came up the other day the fact that Ospino had just been resigned to Cup games uh, and then he had the Cup final the, the semi-final against Atletico yeah. Madrid yeah so, and he, I think it, uh, Petrček was on the bench for the what was the game in between yeah, it, it was uh, yeah the other week. But mm. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but he was he was on the bench and obviously yeah. But it, it happened with Romero last season as well because the, you know they promised them these games in the in the cups. The managers stick with them. Like I said we, we spoke about before about the um, uh, the cup final. Uh, you know whether they'll stick with uh, Caballero and yeah. Romero like they have done all the way through the uh, cup games, or whether they'll go with Courtois and De Gea. Both. Managers need to win this, yeah. You know, so it's it'd be a big decision for them to leave them out. But if they uh, if they're playing in the cup semi finals like Ospina was, they have to play in the leagues in be- league games in between and around them to give them that practice, give them that gameplay. Yeah, and that's the decision, you know that's the, the almost like the quandary for a manager now. How 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 do you play it, or do you just hope that you've got one incredibly fit goalkeeper that can play? 46 games 50 games in, in, a, in a season yeah I mean people shouldn't think it's necessarily a modern a newfangled modern thing rotating goalkeepers because Preston in the first proper season 1888-89 actually had a league goalie and a cup goalie so really did they? yeah that is interesting so a different guy played all the FA Cup games so wow I hope there was some granddad in the Preston crowd complaining that modern football was, was killing the game <laughs> The modern game shit. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's why he's great. Uh, that's why he's in. That's Come on, where was with some more? Don't leave. <laughs> uh, okay, some more. You want some? <laughs> that's the way you went. Quite, quite. You, you had a smile. Went, oh no, he's been serious. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> shit, you actually sorry. want some? Fair yeah. uh, okay, here's a few of my kind of favourite ones. My, I think my all-time favourite Premier League goalkeeping stat is um, Jens Lehmann, who we all miss. Yes. A lot. Um, obviously, a key man in the um, Invincible season, but uh, he actually, in 2006-07, eight yellow cards, which is a total that Lee Katama would be impressed with. Yeah. But, um, I, think, I think three or four of them were for time waste. It was a brilliant kind of one against uh, Arsenal at home to Wigan, where they were, he was clearly wasting time, and he kind of was doing the kind of tripping over, and the ball was ricocheting off the advertising hoardings, and the ref was just... You know, just had enough, booked him, and, and Layman still managed to look aggrieved that you know that it had happened. When, when I oh, sorry, when I was in when I was in Iceland, I play, went over there for a couple of months, ended my career, and I had ten games there, and I had f- I was booked four times in the first four games, and I was I was facing obviously if you get five bookings you get a uh, one match ban. I was facing a ban after four just four <laughs> games. Why were you getting yellow cards? Well, it was because I was shouting at the referee. 
One of them, well, three of them were because I was shouting referee. One was because I came and booted somebody outside the box, which which was a fair enough. You know, what yeah. I mean, I was lucky to get a, just a yellow for that one, and. Um, and it was all through frustration because I wasn't very good, that's why. I mean, I, actually, no, I, I, I got that wrong. I was very good, but I just didn't feel great. Oh, right, I didn't, okay. you know, because I felt, I was. I think I was about, I don't know, was I 37, something like that? I mean, 37, yeah, 37. Yeah, and I could feel that I was getting old. So I took all my frustrations out on the uh, on the referees. Were the Icelandic referees nice, or...? Um, well, they were quite strict with me, you know, to be honest with you. Whether they could understand what I was saying or not. I'm sure there's a stat in there that, like, one in five people in Iceland are a referee. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because of the population being yeah. 19 people. Yeah, um, I got pretty fed up of Icelandic population-based numbers in the yeah. Euro 2016. It was every day, wasn't it? Like, it must have been, like, a, a competition to come out with the the, 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 the town that was the, uh, the equivalent population in uh yeah. In England, yeah, like, not. but like Yorkshire at the Olympics, yeah, which is yeah. the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, West Ham have won the World Cup, Yorkshire have won the Olympics, and everyone in Iceland plays for the Icelandic football team. <laughs> it's like, come on, yeah. Um, so, so sorry, the, so you said you had six yellow cards in the eight, two, yellow cards. eight yellow cards. What is the average for a goalkeeper? Do you have uh, probably about 1.2 or something a season per season? Yeah, wow, yeah. I mean, so, lots of them will go. Through a season without getting booked. Yeah. Um, in terms of red cards, most red cards for keeper and Premier League era is four by Pavel Cernicek, Pavel Cernicek. long trousers and juicy Jaskalina. The, the, the late Pavel Cernicek. Yeah, bless yeah. him. Yeah, that was sad. So uh, was it four yellow cards and Juicy Jaskalina has. They both got four reds in their in their Premier League career. First keepers to be sent off in Premier League. Uh, first British keeper sent off Simon Tracy. Oh, Tracy, yeah. Sam Tracy. Was he Sheffield United? Sheffield United, yeah. And first overseas keeper, one of the only overseas keepers, I think, early doors in the Premier League was Craig Forrest. Ipswich, yeah. Canadian custodian, (laughs) as he was probably never known. It's quite funny to go, first non-British goalkeeper, Craig Forrest, going, that just sounds like the most British name in the world, (laughs) doesn't it? But you just forget there's other other, um, countries that have the same (laughs) Yeah, they've stolen our names. Um... (laughs) Yeah, last team approaching the World Cup, so let's have a look at that. The last uh, country to use all three of their goalkeepers in a World Cup. Oh, this was a good one. Right, so last last team to use all three goalkeepers in the World Cup. Oh, that is interesting. I'm going to say, oh, that was Euros, wasn't it? I was going to say Holland. No. Holland did do some keeper oh, yeah, shenanigans yeah. in the last World Cup, obviously yeah. bringing on Tim Krull. Tim Krull, yeah, uh, for penalties. But, um, ah, oh, crikey, this is great, it's like our own little pub quiz. <laughs> I'm going to go but with, with Argentina. No? No. I'm, I'm going to go with... I'll give you the World Cup, it was 1994. Right, so I'm going to go with um, Ireland. No. no. No, it wasn't, was it? It was Greece. 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 Who only played three games. They basically used a, a different keeper in each <laughs> game. That is the most... Do you know why? Well, they are they are the birthplace of democracy, and maybe that is a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to make it fair. Democratic, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, they, had a vote, they, had a, they had a vote amongst the goalkeepers to see who should play. Yeah, they all voted for themselves. Yeah, and obviously, <laughs> actually, thinking about it, one of those games would have been against Argentina when Maradona did the running at the camera, the mad eyes, the little kiss. Yeah, yeah. did it do the kiss as well? Yeah, yeah. So. Do, you, do you know why they, they used three different I don't goalkeepers? Actually. Um, 
he's a great star. Maybe. Maybe just because, you know, like uh, at parties when they smash plates, after each game they smash the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so I'm going to have to. Well, I, I'm gonna, at some point, I'm going to have to search that. That's amazing. Um, as to why they why they did that. Any more World Cup stuff? What else have you got? I mean, it's not necessarily a stat, but my my big bugbear about World Cups and goalkeepers remains. And it'd be interesting to get David's opinion on this, but it remains Peter Shilton in 1990 because the penalty saving. He he had an idea that he could wait for the penalty to be taken and then, and then decide, but yeah. the human brain doesn't work that fast and if you actually look at the penalties he didn't really get close to any of them um so i you know they had dave besson on the bench fairly good at saving penalties you know you could argue if if england had done a, a tim cruel special and brought besson on for the shootout we might have might have won that game that has a good point but to be fair it's something that's um doing the thing next week with uh, both penalties and it's it's one thing that's I, I would actually point towards as well you know Especially in the in, in the modern game now, I think uh, top class penalty tape, takers are very rarely, um, you know, they very rarely have a pattern or the the very. I try and think the, the phrase they use. It's um, they react to the goalkeeper's uh, movements. Movement, yeah, so so you have something like uh, Eden Hazard, who's sort of he, he does a very slow approach. His eyes rolls on the goalkeeper, and he and he just waits for them to just flinch one way or the other, and he just thought automatically goes right. He's gone left on going right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he switches it at the last minute. So it's, I think there's a lot more keepers. I mean, Christian Benteke does it, and he still misses it. You know, so I sort of say that's the best way of doing it. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at the goalkeeper, the three goalkeepers that were used in Greece's World Cup squad. Pronounce Ado- them. I bet you can't pronounce the names. Can, absolutely can, mate. Adonis Minu, very easy. Uh, then there was Christos Karkamanis, and then there was Ilias. Oh, Jesus, Ilias <laughs> at Matsidis. At Matsidis, did he have a Twitter handle uh, in 1994 ahead of the game? <laughs> <laughs> he's always yeah, on yeah. who's the out? comedian mate uh, well I don't know it's not me uh, as we found out on uh, social media on Saturday mornings um, you seem to be like looking at your computers if you've got something else to no no, just, that's just enjoying the font <laughs> just enjoying the font Calibri body if anyone's interested for anybody that wants to buy your book um Duncan where, yes. where is the best place to buy uh, it from in either a bookshop are they Classic. still around? Yeah, I think, uh, or one of your favourite, you know, online emporiums. Um, it is outside the box. It is a statistical journey through the history of football. It is by Duncan Alexander, who's been with us. Do you get more money if it uh, if it's bought in a bookshop? I don't know, actually. It's a good question. Yeah. Oh, that, is, that is the voice of someone who's absolutely minted, isn't it? And it's not bothered not at all. Really, no, not mate. bothered. With his yeah. tan, just like Liam Ridgewell from. just burning twenty pound notes. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well listen Duncan thank you very much for coming on uh, thank you for listening to this podcast follow Duncan on, on Twitter at Oily Sailor uh, follow Opta Joe which is at Opta Joe uh, and also more importantly uh, follow Ilias at uh, Mazidis um, the third <laughs> Greek goalkeeper used in the 1994 World Cup uh, thank you very much for listening it is goodbye from me Lloyd goodbye from me David and goodbye from me Duncan thank you very much for listening goodbye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.